You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to The Chris and Joe Show, presented to you by SB Nation and Big Blue View. I'm Joe DeLeon, joined by Chris Flum, as always, to discuss and break down the recent New York Giants football game, and they're coming off of yet another loss, seven straight, this time to the Chicago Bears, falling 19-14. to And like we do every single Tuesday, we had some time to digest, look at the tape, break some things down, and give you the positives and the negatives on the offensive and defensive side of the ball. So surprisingly, though, there were actually more positives than you would expect in a loss like this. It was a close game against a very, very good defensive team, which is why there's some things that we really want to highlight and let you know that you maybe did not notice from watching the the, the full broadcast. So one of the first positives that Chris and I have here is that there was a lot of creative play calling. We touched upon this in the Quick Take show and it was more apparent when we actually went back to watch and, and break down these things and see what the concepts were in the play calling. There were a couple of different things that really showed up to us on tape, specifically a reverse pitch to Sterling Shepard that got a first down with 11 minutes left in the second, second quarter, and there were a bunch of others that really stuck out to us. Yeah, I think the Giants were really at their best offensively in the first quarter and a half, at least from a play calling perspective. I liked the way they used the wide receivers, uh, especially on that run by Shepard to attack the Bears perimeter and get them looking horizontally and not just running the ball up the middle. Because we've seen that just doesn't work. Barkley is not a good inside runner and the Giants offensive line isn't getting the job done there. So using these creative play calls, using misdirection, getting the opposing defense flowing one way and then attacking the other that is what the Giants really have to do in these situations with the way their offense is playing in general and the way defenses are playing them that was good to see it would have been better to see them sustain it over the course of the game but it was at least good to see in the beginning yeah on that reverse call they essentially ran a a fake read option and then gave it back to Shepard where there was clear running lanes for a shifty receiver to take advantage of. Another thing and actually getting to break down that that missed catch by Saquon Barkley early in the game, it it really stood out to me how much of a good play that could have been. Uh, the, The left side of a bunch look was running concepts to the right side of the field. So that pulled all those receivers away. It was man coverage. They sent five oncoming rushers at Daniel Jones because it was third and short, and that left a wide open Saquon Barkley, but they were not able to connect on that. Things like that should be replicated and redone. They haven't shown much of it, so they could catch another team off guard if they run something like that again. Another play that I really liked was the the first passing touchdown. They faked a power run to the right, and Caden Smith came parallel to the line of scrimmage. Cleo Mack was assuming that he was pulling, 
And because of that, Caden Smith was wide open, was able to get a grab and essentially walk two yards into the end zone. Last thing, though, the last play that really was very, very good and, and unique was towards the end, or not unique, but worked well that they can continue to build on and use more and more was the one carry that Saquon had for a, a big rushing gain. And all it was was power to the left side of the field in the fourth quarter. Um, they pulled Will Hernandez and they also brought Caden Smith in motion. Both of them cleared a wide open path and got Saquon Barkley some space to the outside. So stuff like that really works and it makes you wonder why they don't run more of it. Yeah, and those questions as to why the Giants don't do this more often, those seem to come up almost more than, you know, wow, that was a great play. I have been wondering for a year and a half now why wheel routes aren't a staple of the Giants offense because they absolutely should be. You get Saquon Barkley the ball in space. He's past most of the defense when he gets the ball and the Giants can do things like run it out of a bunch set and use concepts to pull defenders away or maybe create natural rubs and with that route prevent Roquan Smith who is an athletic rangy linebacker but just create enough traffic that he can't get over to the side to cover Barkley the Giants could also run those routes with Evan Ingram when he gets back in health. He is capable of lining up in the backfield, and he has almost as much raw athleticism as Barkley does. Even though that play didn't work, that's something the Giants ab- absolutely should go back to. That should be that should be one of their primary plays in their offense, that and plays similar to it or built off of that. Yeah, they could really open up the playbook if they use some similar concepts to that one in using a wheel route. The other positive and the final positive for the offense that we have is something that I can't believe I'm actually going to say, something that we haven't said in a very, very long time. But the pass blocking was actually not that bad. They had a decent day. They did not have a perfect day because they did give up a strip sack for a fumble that led to a touchdown. But they still kept a pretty clean pocket for Daniel Jones and gave him some decent amount of time to operate and find receivers and complete some passes. So I will at least give credit when credit is due because they were able to actually clean some things up today against, I would argue, one of the best defensive lines and pass rushes in the NFL. Yeah, and again, I would say it was probably weighted more towards the beginning of the game. The Giants were able to get Daniel Jones some time when they went up-tempo in the fourth quarter. They did a really good job of getting him out on the perimeter in the first half, getting him just away from any pressure that was going to leak through. But for the most part, I would say probably first three quarters, three and a half quarters, the Giants did a pretty good job of holding Khalil Mack in check, holding Leonard Floyd in check, holding just all of those defensive players who are so good in the Bears front, giving Jones just enough time to get the ball off and get the pass away. Yeah, it's... I think we kind of saw the Bears talent start to take over you know, in the fourth quarter in the late in the second half you know, the I watched the touchdown to Golden Tate a few times and I absolutely give Jones credit for getting that pass off getting it far enough down the field for Tate to catch it and get the touchdown but I will also say it was lucky that it happened both Nate Solder and Will Hernandez got beat bad on that play, Khalil Mack was, again, about a tenth of a second from sacking Jones or hitting his arm as he threw. And then 
Eddie Jackson, I don't know what he was thinking. He broke down on the route and just let Tate get behind him, which is rare for a safety as good as he is. So I would say that was a lucky touchdown, but again, credit where credit is due for Daniel Jones being able to deliver the ball where it needed to be. Now on to the negatives for the offense. We only have one that really is clear and apparent. We discussed a little bit of not in the take show about not being able to get points on the board off of turnovers. That was really a hindrance to the offense, but actually looking and seeing some of the things that they did, one thing that is very notable is the the bad run play calling on most of the called and designed runs. While we're, we were praising and saying good things about Pat Trimmer's decision to be a little bit more creative on these on these plays and, and more so in the passing game, there was just a lot left on the field because of these questionable decisions. Uh, very specifically, two pitches that resulted in losses of yardage. One of them was on an important third and short that resulted in a three to a four yard loss. Those things clearly weren't going to work. They have athletic defensive ends. They've got athletic outside linebackers. They're going to be able to track a play like that. And and then the other thing that that really irked me here was that the continual commitment to run the ball right up the middle into no yards. It seems like Jalapio is not really getting any push up the middle of the field. It just, if it's not working, you shouldn't keep going back to it over and over and over again. Do the things that work, which is running stretch plays, outside zone, power to the outside. Those things have proven to work because Saquon Barkley is athletic. He can find those seams. He can find the, those narrow gaps and turn them into a 5-10 yard gain. Yeah, I think defenses are really kind of wising up and anticipating the Giants' short offense. Their throws behind the line of scrimmage, their pitches, toss plays, the really short crossing routes they like to run and they are just swarming downhill you're seeing a lot of linebackers and secondary players just firing downhill whenever it looks like Saquon Barkley is going to get the ball in one of those situations and they're aiming for his hips a lot as tacklers which is good you know that's bad for the Giants obviously but it it's good tackling form and it's really limiting the effectiveness of his spin moves and a lot of his you know quick cuts also for me the first fourth and four play call where the giants run a rub route and then have sterling shepherd run a crossing route the problem is they called the route short of the sticks probably hoping that the Rub would create enough separation that Shepard could turn upfield and pick up the first down. But if you're going to call that for three yards, why not five yards and make sure you get the first down? Why force Shepard to work back to the ball and then have to get upfield against a safety like HaHa Clinton Dix and Eddie Jackson and the rest of that Bears defense? And this is something that pops up every single game for the Giants. They love running plays short of the sticks and hoping that their offensive weapons can pick up those yards after the catch and defenses just aren't falling for it. Yeah, I also think that the execution on that play wasn't really entirely there. Daniel Jones threw it a hair 
backwards towards the line of scrimmage to Sterling Shepard. So he was in relative range of the first down marker when he ran that concept. But the the problem was he had to come back and catch the ball and then turn and come back upfield. So there wasn't any real room to do that because he had a corner right on him and it was somebody was able to come and make a play and tackle him short of the sticks. So, uh, you know, as much as sometimes that does work for teams, I just don't think the execution was additionally there. And when you have a rookie quarterback, make things a little bit easier for him. Make sure he doesn't have to be in that situation where if he's a little bit off, the play is completely blown up and it doesn't turn out the way that it should. Up next, we're going to discuss the defensive positives and negatives. But before we do that, we're going to take a very short commercial break. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels. But now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected, and 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Positives on defense. We actually had a good day for some of the young secondary players, specifically Julian Love, who we talked about in the Quick Take Show, and then... This seems odd to say. Also, seems like it was a complete opposite day for the Giants that there was a quiet game from DeAndre Baker. Now, he might, he might not have been on the field as often as he was before because they were trying to get some other snaps for guys like Sam Beal and Corey Ballantyne. But he still looked like he wasn't doing anything and making these huge mistakes. <laughs> I, I was saying to you, Chris, that I, I didn't notice any egregious errors that immediately stood out to me that I got all worked up about because he keeps making those mistakes. I'm waiting until the end of the game to, to say to myself, wait a minute, I haven't noticed anything from DeAndre Baker. So that's a step forward because they have a, a, some good receivers like Allen Robinson, who he was he was mirroring for most of the game. Yeah, the only time I really noticed DeAndre Baker was on a pass breakup. And yeah, that is good to see. Now, as you said, he didn't play as many snaps as he normally does. He's normally on the field for every defensive snap. This game, he only played about two-thirds of the snaps. He, he only played 48 snaps total. The Giants put, took him off the field and were able to get Sam Beal on the field, who, again, he had a pretty quiet day too. Now, I don't know if that is just because they were playing well enough that Mitchell Trubisky avoided them, or if they really liked the matchup they had on Corey Ballantyne, which we will get to in the second part of our defensive breakdown. Because that was his play was definitely not a positive. But the fact that the Giants' young secondary players, for the most part, weren't being exploited, that they weren't having bad plays, no hustle plays, and Julian Love was able to get on the field, and he was on the field for most of the game, 
playing 42 snaps as, you know, a corner safety, that was good to see. Yeah, it really was good to see. And when, when you're talking about a, a young corner, being able to say that you didn't notice them on tape sounds odd, but to, to add truth to the matter is that if you're not noticing anything, that means that they're covering their guy, the guy that they're playing against is having a quiet day. You only really bring them up if they have a pick or um, you know some type of defensive touchdown. He didn't have any of those things, but at the same time, he didn't really give up any big gains. Maybe he gave up a couple receptions here or there, but it was nothing that was really ingrained and noticeable. Overall, I mean, the passing defense took a step forward. I understandably they were playing a lower quality quarterback and an offense that has been struggling, but they only allowed 100, uh, 270 passing yards. So that's a step forward. That is a step in the right direction. We're going to get to Corey Ballantyne's performance because he ended up being the only outlet for this offense, the Bears offense, to get any actual yards. Final positive we have is that the defense was able to create really consistent pressure. They had two sacks, six quarterback hits, not perfect on the day, but still were able to make things very hard for a quarterback that was already struggling. Yeah, in fact, it would have been three sacks, except uh, Janoris Jenkins had a defensive hold that wiped one off the board and gave the Bears a first down. They still aren't getting the really consistent pressure that we would like to see from them, the kind that's going to frustrate an average or good offense. But this did seem like a step forward. It was a step forward, and I noticed a lot of plays early on in the game there were hands in the face of Trubisky maybe there weren't anything that was recorded on those plays but enough pressure to disrupt him make him feel a little bit flustered and we talked about this in the preview show saying that Trubisky is not a good quarterback and if you make things hell for him and confuse him and put him in pressure situations he's going to make mistakes the two picks are a clear indication of that pressure might not have been bearing down on him in both of those plays but him having that thought in the back of his head is like, oh, am I going to get hit soon? Am I going to get hit soon? Makes a young, struggling quarterback second-guess his decisions and what he is capable of doing. Now, negatives. Giants lost, but only gave up 19 points. First thing that was very noticeable when we look back and watch the tape was that the defense was very jittery. There were a number of offsides calls, and I also saw a lot of flinching, a lot of jumping forward and then quickly coming back. So, not really great that they were they were getting caught like that because they were so overly excited to get a jump on the play. Yeah, I think one of the points of emphasis over the bye week is was trying to get the defense to play fast, really take it to the opposing offense, which was probably why they had so many offsides penalties. I think Marcus Golden was probably putting a lot of pressure on himself to produce as a pass rusher and create the create that disruption and turn pressures into sacks getting to the quarterback before he could get the pass off. And I do think it did show up in the Giants run defense where they were not hesitating at all to come downhill to attack the ball carrier string the string runs out until they could be run out of bounds that I thought was a very strong point in their defense. But as you said, they were jittery is just a great word for it all game long. It's really also a matter of discipline and and having those things locked down, which is a little bit of coaching, a little bit of mental discipline by the players. That's something that probably won't show up every single week. The Bears did a good job of going with a hard count, trying to get them to jump, and it was able to really work for them. The final negative we have defensively was 
a rough second half for Corey Ballantyne, who was attacked and the single most targeted corner pretty much in the second half, and he gave up a ton of yards because of it. Yeah, the Bears made a second half, uh, halftime adjustment, and they went after Corey Ballantyne just relentlessly. He was their primary, pretty much their only target on their first two drives in the second half. And in five receptions, Ballantyne gave up 139 yards and a touchdown in one quarter. That is, I don't want to get on a young corner too hard, but that was definitely tape he's going to want to burn and bury. It was a step forward for DeAndre Baker, but not really for Corey Ballantyne because he, like you said, gave up almost 140 yards and a touchdown, was burned by Allen Robinson, who was able to score a touchdown. Things like that you don't really want to see. He was looking pretty competent in some of his other games, but again, this is a step back for him because he wasn't able to build off of that, that, um, that consistency that he was having. So last thing that we promised you that we were going to talk about was the special teams, and me as now a former long snapper, college long snapper after my last game, I obviously need to speak on this because there was a bad snap. Actually, there were two bad snaps in this game. So, it, it, you know, it's my duty as the, I would say, knowing the most about special teams um, than most people. On the missed field goal by Aldrich Rosas, there was a rolling snap, which resurfaced on Twitter continuously all of all of yesterday. It rolled back there. It disrupted the timing. And while the ball was able to get picked up and put down by Riley Dixon, things like that get into the head of the kicker because he sees the ball not come where it's supposed to be out of the corner of his eye when he's looking down for the placement of it. He's going to hesitate. His steps are going to be just slightly off. If your steps as a kicker are off by even an inch, it's enough to completely redirect the ball and put it somewhere it's not supposed to be. And then something that people weren't really talking about was the second snap, the one right after that he ended up missing. That was also on long snapper Zach Diasi because if you watch it, that ball was twisting and, and, and wobbling at an incredible rate. Nothing that I've seen from a, a professional long snapper before and we haven't even really seen it from Zach Diossi before. So having a ball that is not coming back there on a spiral into the right exact location is also enough to disrupt the hold and the timing of the play. And I'm sure Aldrich Rosas was able to see that out of the corner of his eye. And it just continued to build up on the, the, the mental doubt that he was having. I would not be surprised because of those two specific plays if they chose to use uh, Colin Holba, who they recently signed to the practice squad, and cut ties with Zach Diasi, who has been a longtime giant, but his time might clearly clearly be done. Yeah, and I have to wonder, you would know better than I, if perhaps those two missed field goals and the doubt that has to be creeping into Rosas' mind had an influence on that shanked kickoff at the beginning of the second half. It also might have disrupted his his mental well-being on that play, too. You know, it really hurts to be having to say this about somebody that I've I've honestly looked up to. Uh, Zach Diossi has been with the Giants for so long, and being a long snapper, I've always been watching and seeing him do things, which not, not a lot of kids do. It, it does pain me a little bit having to say that they should probably move on from him, but not everyone's career can last this long. If you're a specialist and you have two back-to-back bad weeks, and even if you're a veteran, 
coaches are going to make that decision 10 times out of 10. There's a lot shorter of a leash for a specialist, maybe a little bit longer if you're a veteran and you've been there for a lot longer. And I would say that his longer leash is because he was able to do it in back-to-back games. But do not be shocked if they choose to make some type of decision and, and, and let him go. The other thing, though, on special teams that was a major mishap that I think not a ton of people were giving a ton, a lot of attention to it, Ed made sure to put together a post about it because he was also messaging me after the game saying that there were a lot of issues with that play and that negatively impacted the game. In the end of the game, there was a, a situation where the Bears came out in their offense with their offense on fourth down in about three. This was before the final Giants drive, and the Giants kept their defense out there in a, what was supposed to be a safe look with no returner. They had no punt returner and ended up putting Janoris Jenkins back there. But at very last second, the Bears shifted out their offense, their punt team comes on, and they snap the ball and they punt it. But I think what some people don't know is in that situation, if you make that transition and the offense comes in subs, the defense, the return team, also has some has time to make that sub as well. Now, if they wanted to stay out there in a safe look with their defense, I, I can at least kind of rationalize that. But you are not allowed to snap the ball until you at least make some type of substitution on the punt return team. So that means getting Golden Tate or someone out there instead of Janoris Jenkins who let the ball go sailing over his head that could have been fielded by someone other than him and at least caught and fair caught or returned for a few yards. Instead, it was inside the 10, which I would argue completely disrupted any momentum that the offense had. Yeah, yeah, I I don't want to hang that on Janoris Jenkins. He is not a punt returner. He can be dynamic with the ball in his hands, but that... Yeah, returning an interception and returning a punt are just two different skill sets. Yeah, I don't blame him for letting the ball go and hoping for a touchback. Credit to the Bears. They made a fantastic play to keep it out of the end zone. I I think Cordero Patterson saved it by like an inch, maybe two inches, and they wound up downing it at about the five-yard line. So that was a great play on their behalf. That has to be on the Giants coaches. Offense, or sorry, when offenses substitute, defenses always get the chance to match personnel and make some kind of substitution before the center is allowed to snap the ball. It's the same on special teams. And I don't know why the Giants wouldn't take advantage of that. I don't know why they wouldn't either. And at the very least, you get that, that returner in there all he needs to do is catch it because there was room for him to catch it. But Janoris Jenkins was probably not that confident in his ability to grab that ball because he's probably never taken a return rep in a very long time. So I just don't get it. I don't get why you, you're not better prepared. And that was frankly a, a coaching mistake and a, a lack of awareness in being prepared for them to do something. They were too busy reacting to the Bears and not doing what they thought was the right thing in that on that particular play. And that's going to be it from us, folks. Thank you for tuning in. As always, be sure to rate, subscribe, and review. And additionally, make sure you follow us on social media at Big Blue View. You follow me at Joe DeLeon, D-E-L-E-O-N-E. And you can follow Chris at Raptor M-K-I-I. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. 
Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on the No. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder. But you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.